On this episode of Inside Music Cast, we're focusing our attention on a Swedish band whose music lives and breathes West Coast AOR, work of art. Keyboard and vocalist Lars Sefson, guitarist Robert Sell, and drummer Herman Furen are a trio of best friends and dynamic musicians whose music epitomizes the melodic rock genre that has heavily influenced them for several decades. On September 19th, Work of Art will release their third studio album in Europe, followed by the U.S. release on September 22nd. The album is titled Framework, and it's quite possibly their most sophisticated collection of songs since their debut album Artwork in 2008. Inside Music Cast is pleased to welcome all three members of Work of Art. Hey, Robert, Lars, Herman, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Hey, no problem. Thanks for being with us here. Hey, you know, it's, it's very rare that we get the opportunity to interview a full band. Usually we're interviewing, you know, individuals. So we appreciate all three of you guys taking the time out to join us today. And our, our listeners are, you know, they're always interested in hearing about, you know, some of the early musical influences that, that first grabbed an artist's attention. So let's, Lars, let's start with you. And tell, tell us about a band or a performer that uh, you recall that made an impression on you. Well, uh, yeah, I think I, I, I was grown up with, uh, with ABBA, I think. Oh, My yeah. parents listened to this, so I, you know, hmm. and since that, I've always been a sucker for melodies, you know, uh-huh. yeah, melodic. Yeah. There, yeah, you know, there's just a huge wall of melodies all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I think uh, ABBA was the first musical impression uh, in my early years. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Then, uh, so you're, you're, you being a keyboardist, were there any uh, particular keyboardists that, that you were latched onto and really, you know, dug their style or really tried to emulate? No, I don't think so. No, that, that was that was later, you know, when I started to listen to Toto and, uh-huh. and uh, tried on David Page solos and, you know, st- stuff like that. So, but it, um, no, not really. I, I've, I've been listening to a lot of different music and... Uh, um, but I always uh, played my own way, you know, writing my songs, not trying to do everybody else's stuff. You know, I sat just hour for myself playing yeah. my own music when I was uh, a kid, you know. Very so, cool. Yeah. 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 Herman, tell, so. us, tell us uh, a little bit about the, the answer to the same question right there. You know, what were the, some of the influences, Herman? Yeah, uh, for me, um, I started out just liking drummers. <laughs> At first, and, and mm-hmm. uh, particularly one guy in, named Per Lindvall, a Swedish drummer, yeah, who actually uh, he played with ABBA when he was like nineteen. Wow! Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and he he seemed to play on all the records I liked when I was growing up. Uh-huh. So basically, I, I I tried to buy anything he played on and just sat and played to it. That <laughs> that's my yeah. my childhood. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of ABBA references. Are, are you guys yeah. from Sweden by chance? Yeah, you by Sweden. We're Sweden. It's a joke. 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 It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's shift over to Robert. Hey, tell us about you know, um, you know, what age did you pick up the guitar and start and start learning uh, guitar? And tell us about some of your influences as well. Yeah, uh, I started to play guitar when I was nine. I started to take guitar lessons when I was nine, uh-huh. and uh, and the music I was into back then was mostly the things that my friends was into. It was like uh, Kiss and uh, White Snake and uh, Bon Jovi, very melodic uh, rock, okay. so to speak. But at, at the same time, um, I, I was hearing from my brother's room. Uh, I was hearing stuff like Prince, Peter Gabriel, uh, Stilly Dan, and so on. So there was kind of a mix of influences right from the beginning. Yeah, isn't isn't it funny, guys? How um, 
how exactly what you're saying as to why and how you picked up records. I mean, you're saying that you basically just read the liner notes, Herman. You were looking at the liner notes and find out who is <laughs> who is playing on the records. And I think that you'll find that commonality with a lot of our listeners that they bought records sometimes not for who was on the cover, but who was on the back cover. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, when you get all the drummers and and the and the session players, you say, how can this record be bad? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, That's it's, very true. It's very interesting. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. a, sec- a second ago, uh, Robert, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Kiss, and I don't know if you heard the statement that Gene Simmons just made a couple of days ago. He he announced that rock and roll is dead. And, you know, he hasn't heard your music yet. You know, I don't yeah, think right. he's, here's you guys. I, I yeah. think that was kind of a shallow statement because there's still a lot of really good rock and roll out there. Yeah. Oh, oh it is. I think he's looking from from the business point of view. Yeah. And, uh, and for him, I mean, he's been living the rock and roll lifestyle for all his life. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that part of it is gone, but the music is definitely still here. Yeah, yeah definitely. There's a lot of new good stuff coming out. Yeah. Lars, you're a vocalist. And, you know, when, yeah. when did you start singing really early? And what was the situation at home? and the family and the choir in school. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you began to sing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I started quite late, actually. Uh, I always played the piano, the keyboards, yeah. and uh, I never had the intention of becoming a, becoming a singer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a sound engineer and producer, so I prepared for that. And then I just uh, stumbled over a place... Uh, and got to work, uh, got to an audition, you know, where you, to this place where you're a waiter and you're a singer. Uh, <laughs> and I finally got the job, you know, very strange. And I was like 19, 20, 21 when I started. So it was quite late, actually. Before that, I was mostly a keyboard player, you know, cover, ba- cover bands and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was very late I started to sing, actually. Uh, one memory from when I... Um from like when we were 15 or 16 or so, Lars and I were playing already back then. Uh, and I got home to, to Lars' uh, mother's home, and I, I heard him from, from, uh, from outside. He was singing along to Endless by Toto. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> not, not, not too well, though. <laughs> <laughs> did you say it was horrible? Huh? What did you tell him, Herman? <laughs> Hey, you have a future in singing. <laughs> uh, hey, the three of you guys are from uh, from the Stockholm area, and um, you actually assembled the band back in 1992. So tell us a little bit about, uh, for our listeners, tell us how you first all met and, and why it took you nearly 15 years before you released your, your first album. Maybe, uh, Robert, you can talk to that a little bit. Yeah, well... Uh, it all started when uh, I think when Herman and I we met each other when we started high school uh, we were accepted to this uh, high school of music and that's where we met and uh, pretty early on we found out that we had the same kind of we, we loved the same style of music so to speak and uh, and uh, it turned out that both he and I was uh, writing songs we had been writing songs both of us so we said let's get t- together and uh, do some demos record these songs that we have been writing uh, and uh, so we started to record demos of our stuff, and uh, Herman already knew Lars. They have been friends uh, since since uh, a couple of years before that. Uh, so Herman said, uh, "I have the perfect keyboard player for this band. Uh, let's let's uh, bring bring in my friend Lars to to do the keyboards." And uh, wow, sounds great! I thought now we only need to find like a bass player, which there were a lot of in the, our class at school. So that was not really a problem, but we need to find a singer as well. And that was a little bit more of a problem. 
because <laughs> uh, back then we, we could. <laughs> yeah, no speaking, because uh, Herman had heard me sing endless, so I was not really on the table. <laughs> vocals. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we know that, at least we know that Lars was not the guy for us. No, exactly. but seriously, especially at that age, we were like, how old were we, Herman? Like 16, 17, yeah. I guess, yeah. Seven, um, yeah. There, there were not a lot of, of guys singing in that kind of tenor uh, register uh, that we knew of, at least. Uh, so we, we, we tried a couple of guys at school, and they failed miserably. <laughs> they were not really good. But, uh, so, so, so what we did, we kept writing songs, you know, and the, thinking that the day when we find our singer, that's when we're going to do this for real. But uh, three years after, we, were, we finished high school and we kind of went our separate ways. And the band was, uh, kind of, we kind of abandoned, abandoned the band for a while there. Uh, but then uh, a couple of years later, Herman heard uh, Lars sing Endless again. No, it's not Endless. <laughs> but he, <laughs> no, but he, heard, he, he knew that, her, that Lars had started to, to, to sing for real. Like really gotten serious about singing. Uh, so Herman said, you know what, let's try to, to, to revival the old band again and uh, let's have Lars sing. And I said, oh, okay, we can, at least we can try it, but shouldn't we go for a real singer, you know, Lars the keyboard player? Uh, but anyway, we, we didn't have any other options, so we went to the studio and recorded, started to record a demo and, uh, and Lars uh, laid, laid down some vocals on it and it sounded absolutely fantastic. Uh, so that's, that's when we knew that we, we, we're going to do something with this band sooner or later. I think you mentioned yeah. that you know Herman and Lars. You guys knew each other before you met Robert. Um, yeah. So you, you you two had a, like a jazz funk combo, right? Some kind of a little jazz funk combo well, thing going. <laughs> we met in uh, in music school uh, when we were like twelve or something. And we we played in a in a pop band, and and in that band was a, a notable now at least he's notable a sax player. Uh, whose co- uh, name? His name is uh, Jonas Kullhammar, uh, and um, we played with him. And, and um, that's one of the first time I think Robert met uh, Lars as well, wasn't it? So yeah, down in the first his basement. Yeah, in, in his rehearsal studio in, in their basement. Uh, that was the first time I, I met Lars. And he, he was playing. Ho- we were playing jazz standards more or less, like Footprints by uh, by Wayne Shorter and Mercy, 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 you know, the old Weather Report tune. Sure. Stuff like that. And always in between the songs, Lars started to play Hold the Line or or some <laughs> Chicago ballad on the, on, the, on the keyboards. And I'm thinking, this is a guy that I should know, get to know better because he seems like he's into the exact same style of music as I. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so it's all, yeah, so that's, uh, it was actually, they, they brought me into their jazz combo and that's how we all met. Hey, do, do all three of you guys have uh, music educations, like formal music backgrounds, or, or um, did, did some of you study, some of you not? No, Lars speaking, no, uh, I haven't. Is it too late, you think? No, I was just curious if you, if you guys actually studied music in school, went on to college and studied, or if you were just, uh, just sort of, self, uh, you know, kind of kind of self-infused yourself into music. Now, obviously, me uh, and this is Robert speaking. Obviously, me and Herman uh, met uh, at this uh, music high school, uh, so we had three years of training there. And uh, at least I went on to music college uh, after that and studied another three years. So I have some, some, uh, to some degree, I have some formal training. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well, in two thousand eight, you you released your debut album, but uh, but our understanding is that it was a it was a pretty long road. Um, if, if, if that's a good way to put it, 
from when you began, you know, the songwriting process and then, of course, to recording process uh, and also to the album's uh, eventually and eventual release? Um, you know, you know, Herman, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I, I think one of the reasons is that nowadays we all have our, our own home studios and you can do great stuff in a home studio today. Back then, we didn't have the stuff you needed, um, so we couldn't just record uh, like we wanted to and not get the sound we wanted to anyway. So uh, we went to friend studios, uh, school studios, and we recorded some stuff, and, and but never really got um, got anything finished. And uh, I think we have a few half half finished demos lying somewhere that no one will ever hear. Uh, Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but, the, but, you know, but then, like in 2007, I think Robert said, "Let's do a demo for real, so we can at least say we did a demo, so we can quit this band." <laughs> 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 That's funny. Done something at least, but yeah. But when the demo came out, it went rather well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I can add to that, is Robert speaking again? I think the demo Herman is referring to took it actually took almost three years to finish. I think we started that demo in two thousand and four. Actually, I remember because I was yeah. in my in the last year of my on my studies, uh, and then it took about three years to two thousand and seven before that demo was finished. Um, but then, um, uh, what what we did was MySpace was popular back then, uh, so, so we uploaded this demo on our MySpace. We created a MySpace page and uh, uploaded the demo. And actually, the same day as we uploaded the demo, we got the offer for a record contract from Frontiers Records. So from there on, it went pretty quickly. Everything, yeah, yeah. Well, the album was re- really, really received very nicely. You know, there was huge acclaim and. And uh, and it was rewarded the the debut album of the year, I guess by by melodic rock. Yeah. So so being you know it, it was that you got that type of uh, notoriety from the album, you know, and being that you're a trio. So tell us a little bit about the the, the group's dynamics. How are the duties now? Maybe we can go through each one of you and how how are your duties of writing and recording, you know, approached as uh, and how has that changed over the years? Uh, maybe you can talk to us a little about that, about that. Lars, let's start with you. Yeah, uh, well, uh, when we do a record, uh, mainly Robert is writing all the songs. So, uh, uh, and he has a very clear vision of uh, how he wants the songs to to sound and the, the melodies and everything. So. He writes everything at home uh, and uh, sends the, the demo to me and uh, to Herman, and uh, uh, we put together everything. You know, uh, Herman delivers the drums, uh, uh, and uh, I mix everything and put everything together. So and lay the vocals. So, um, well, and Herman, he is the he's the king, <laughs> foremost when it comes to, mostly to, to drums and to to all this, uh, uh, the talk with the fans, you know, with Facebook and everything. He, without him, we would, I think, we would have been. <laughs> uh, nobody would know who we were actually, because it's very. <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, Robert, you know, you being the the primary composer, um, tell us about you know your your writing process in general. I mean, are you always are you the type of songwriter that's always sort of in songwriting mode, or is it more of a structured? Uh, disciplined exercise where when it's time to write it's time to write or, or are you constantly thinking about songs you know, even when you're not writing 
Uh, actually, that has, that has changed over the years. I used to be in constant writing mode when I was younger. Uh, let's say uh, the last five or six years or so, it's become more of a, um, of a, a disciplined uh, exercise. Like, so it's more, it's more hard work um, and it's not that inspired like it used to be. Mm-hmm. But I think still the, the end result hasn't changed. Uh, uh, I mean... I don't think it, it's because it's not inspired the way it used to be. Yeah. When it's not, uh, it's the music that I write isn't, you know, it's still as good. I think it's just, it's just uh, a different, it's just a different uh, process today uh, nowadays. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I consider inspiration. It's it's a luxury, and I love it. It's great when you have it, but when you don't have <laughs> have inspiration, you have to work anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, absolutely. So, so that, so that's uh, at least that's how it works for me. Yeah, and and also uh, the other guys in the band, uh, I can always, you know, I always play them songs, and and they are great at uh, at uh, telling what songs that are really working and which songs that are maybe not working. Yeah, uh, because sometimes you lose track of that when you write a lot. Uh, so, so that's also a great way how this band works. That I can I can put a, a lot of songs together and play them for the other guys, and then they can decide not not this one, but this one. This one is good, and mm-hmm. and maybe this this section is not working. You have to rewrite that. Lars, especially, is very good at, at telling me that you have to do better. You have to do, yeah, <laughs> 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 and so on. So 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 it's uh, so even though I write, it's kind of a teamwork. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. So Lars, once you do get the songs from Robert and. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that this varies from song to song and session and session when you guys are together. But do you usually have some kind of a guiding vocal uh, yeah. to experiment with the melody that Robert or do you, <laughs> does does Robert say, "Hey, look, here's you know you hum this thing out and here's what you can do with it." How 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 do you work with uh, Robert on the on the vocals? Yeah, I wish you could play something. Do you want us to play something? Yeah, you can sing something. <laughs> yeah, you can sing <laughs> no, something for us. No, I, <laughs> I was referring to the demo vocals. Very <laughs> funny. No, he, as I said, he has a very clear vision how, of how he wants uh, he wants the melodies and uh, and everything. So he he sings everything like an octave down, uh, and it leaves very much for the inspira- for for the imagination. I can say <laughs> of how it's supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, but I, 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 I understand his his vision with the song uh, out of his uh, melodies, his mumbling, you know, an octave down, yeah. and uh, and I <laughs> and uh, you, you know just because it's not that perfect, yeah, yeah. I can lab- elaborate a bit, bit with uh, some melody lines or just a few things here and there, but but it's mostly it's not needed actually. He's he's got so good vision that I understand when I hear yeah. his uh, vocals. Um, so, so- so you guys have been doing this for a while. They're working together. So is there a certain key? Uh, I don't ever get to really ask this question, but uh, and this can go to, to Robert and, and to Lars, but is there a certain key that you'd like to sing in uh, that the range seems to be, wow, that's my sort of my pocket, um, that you typically write a lot of your songs or a, a good number of your songs? Uh, actually, they're not, uh, but not not one specific specific key. But there are a couple of of keys that I usually, you know, when I look at the melodies that I've written, mm-hmm. and I, and by now I'm starting to learn uh, where, where Lars is, is sounding at his best. Yeah. Uh, so there are lo- there are a lot of B minor and C C sharp minor. I would say, <laughs> right? Okay. For some reason. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, not always. But but uh, there are there are a lot of songs in those keys. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you know, we'll have to all agree, Eddie and I, and, and anybody that's heard your music, that uh, the vocal arrangements on all three of your albums are pretty spectacular. And so when it, it comes to the, the vocal harmonies, um, Lars, are, are you pretty much uh, responsible for, for arranging those harmonies, or do you collaborate with, with uh, Robert and, and Herman on that? No, I no, I may I make everything up as I as I go. Okay. Uh, I never arrange anything in advance, or okay. I have any special thoughts or ideas. You know, I, I just uh, start with a lead vocal. Sometimes I start with some backing vocals, and when I get the feeling with the, you know when I start to get the feeling for the song and for everything, I everything just comes to me. Um, uh, you know, just try a million different things in, in, in a few songs and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just coming right at once so uh, ah, I make everything up as I as I go you know yeah, yeah. and yeah. you make it very hard for, for us to try to do the background vocals live <laughs> yeah uh, yep <laughs> well, well let's talk about that a little bit because when vocals get down, I, and sometimes I don't, I don't even know how, if you ever lay down vocals before, or if you always get your backing tracks and get your rhythm tracks down. And so, Herman, you know, once once you start, uh, the you know, you you lay down your your uh, your rhythm track, mm-hmm. and then Lars, you you start, uh, you know, you start singing on top of that that type of thing. You know, how often, Herman, do you have to change your your rhythm or the details of your structure to work it around the vocal. I mean, do you do you know what I mean by that question? Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, actually, it kind of refers to to what Lars said before. Robert has a very clear idea uh, about the arrangements, even down to to the drums. Uh, of course, he, his programmed drums for the demos right. might not be the most groovy. <laughs> things but but yeah. it, it really tells me how to play mm-hmm. and if i wander off too much from it i usually get well that's good but you know so <laughs> yeah 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 i have to redo it and and, and sometimes for, for different reasons uh-huh. i have to redo it and, but it but it's all for the best you know right. uh, we all want to, uh, to to get the best of, out of every song and um, I'm I'm very open to 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 redo stuff if if it could uh, bring the song to the next level. Right. But usually, I think if I if I sort of sort of follow what what Robert's intentions from the beginning were, uh, it kind of it's 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 rather smooth, and then it gets right from the start. Yeah, being the complexity and, and the rhythm changes that a lot of your music really has. You know, sometimes they start out a little slower and then they break out into, of course, a, a rock rhythm or, or whatever. Based on that, you know, do you would you describe that uh, a good portion of your music is, is pretty much pocket performance that you just got to stay in, in the pocket for everything to work out fine? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 uh, when we play live. Um, yeah. Yeah, you have to really play the song as it's supposed to be, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you can't wander off. And also, we we play to a click track, so so we're kind of locked in. Yeah, gotcha. Well, speaking of performing live, you know your your sound is so huge and it's so multi layered. And um, so, tell us about the challenges of replicating that sound when you play live. Drumming wise, it's well, so, some stuff isn't real isn't that easy to do live, but. I have to practice a bit. Uh-huh. Uh, other than that, I think the, the the challenge is to play in in a live setting with real musicians. Mm-hmm. And we we have uh, our very good friends 
Andreas Passmark on bass and uh, Jonas Gröning on keyboards. And the, they're excellent guys and, and, and excellent players. But but it, it takes some time to to get everything in order. Uh, maybe because uh, Robert isn't a keyboard player, mm-hmm. so the keyboards he plays when he arranges the song might not be the way a keyboard player would think. Yeah. So so that's it has some complexity to it. Yeah. How, uh, but but we I think we sorted out kind kind of nice. Well, hey guys, if you don't mind, uh, let's take a quick break, and I want to check out a track from uh, your 2008 debut album titled Artwork, and this is a track called Camellia. Yeah.
in 2011, you guys released the, the follow-up to the debut album called In Progress. And, and this album, you know, kind of kind of squelched any concern of, of what we call a sophomore jinx. But did you did you guys feel that any added pressure during the production of this album to, to kind of surpass your debut? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you were wanting to make it as good as you could, but did you feel some pressure to to put out something that was that was as solid as that that opening album? Robert. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think there were there were some pr- pressure involved. Uh and that album was uh, was uh, it was harder for us to make because like you said there was some pressure and we were, and we really wanted it to be as good or even better than our first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know when you read when, when you record your first album you always have the luxury of having you can choose from songs that you've been writing for your whole life more or less but uh, yeah. one once uh, you pick the best ones and you record them for the first album and then your best songwriter your best songs they are already used up on that first album yeah so, so it, it was a it was a challenge you know to to begin from uh, from, from square one so to speak mm-hmm. uh, so, so that so uh, so that sure added pressure and i think yeah, it took it took a while. Uh, yeah. You know, to, to, I mean, we we went through a, a lot of things during uh, those sessions before before we actually finished album. But mm-hmm. I think I think uh, in the end, uh, I think it's turned out great. I think we achieved just what we wanted to do. I think I think we we brought uh, this band to the, to the next level, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and yeah. and we'll get to it here in a minute. But you're but you're. Uh, this this third album uh, is framework is is even better. I think I, I think you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Eddie and I are both incredibly impressed with it. We'll get to that in just a second. But Robert, I, I know I've read and I've heard that you're out of the three of you, you're like the longtime self-proclaimed you know huge Toto fan. And um, you know many people have acknowledged <laughs> hearing influences you know from Toto in your music. And I guess that makes sense. Learning here a moment ago that you do the majority of the composition and, and songwriting. So can can you share with us you know what this band's you know what Toto's music has meant to to you like personally and in your own musical journey? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I used to listen to to a lot of melodic rock, like this hair hair bands from uh-huh. the 80s, right? Uh, and also some some pop stuff, and also some fusion stuff uh, that that like Billy Cobham and Weather Report stuff that my brother uh, he, he he brought me mixtapes, mixtape that he gave me, and I listened to. And and back then, I was around 11 or 12, I think. It was uh-huh. all I, I didn't put a label on different style. It was all good music to me. Uh, but that, and I remember this very cl- clearly. Uh, one day he had, he had left the tape in the cassette deck in the family kitchen, uh, and just by random I pressed play, and and there was uh, this Toto song called "Straight for the Heart." Uh-huh. For me, that kind of some, that song had everything that I liked about music at that particular time. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it was. It was. I mean, it was basically a pop song, very up tempo, but it had some distorted guitars, which yeah. I loved, and had some saxophone licks and stuff. Uh, so, so that was uh, I was totally knocked out. So I keep listening to that song over and over again, and eventually I, I, I listened to the next song, which which is uh, as you know only the, only the children, and I was totally floored. It was did, how did, I mean how can something be this good? So I, I rewind the tape in the beginning, and then like all these fantastic songs, Pamela, Stoplam, yeah. Yumu, Shanga, and all those songs, and, and uh, that was uh, that was a true. I mean that changed everything for me, and from that on, I was a, I mean, a dedicated total fanatic. <laughs> so you you hadn't heard their music prior to to the seventh one. I heard I I had heard hold the, hold the line was actually one of my first favorite songs going back to when I was like six or seven, but I didn't know about mm-hmm. the, the band or anything. It was just right. a song that I liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's when I discovered Toto, so to speak. 
You know, we hear we hear so many influences in your music. You know, um, um, and and we we really enjoy how you bring in just the different styles and, and you do it your own way. But I want to ask uh, Robert, you know, um, about uh, you know who you'd say the the influence, you know, re- regarding the way you attack the guitar. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, uh, as uh, as far as the guitar playing goes, there, I mean. Uh, I grew up in the in the late 80s, mm-hmm. and this is where all, there, this was the era of the guitar heroes. Uh, so I, I mean, I, at, at, of course, I love Toad, but I also was into all these uh, guitar heroes from like Steve White, Joe Satriani, to Edwin Halen, and I think I brought all those influences uh, into my own playing. Uh, but then, of course, depending on the style, I think, of course, Steve Lukat has been a lot, uh, has been a big influence on me on, on, I mean, how you treat the guitar in in this type of music where there are a lot of keyboards. Yeah, because that's it. that is uh, that is something different from doing this more hard rock stuff. But the guitar has, I mean, a huge place. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to when you when we do work work music, you have to kind of or restrict the guitar. To not play too much and and to always make sure that it uh, it doesn't interfere with the keyboards, but there are that the parts are working together. And I think that's for me uh, that's a good thing for me when I arrange that, that that I arrange usually arrange most of the keyboards and guitars so I know so I know the different parts so I can so I can work them so they work around the shadow so to speak. Well, you know, while we're on the topic of Toto, and we won't spend too much time on this, but um, we we know that you did get to uh, be the supporting act for Toto during a couple of gigs in Sweden back in. Uh, a couple of years ago, 2012. So, can you tell us you tell us a little bit about how that came about, and possibly uh, share a story from that experience, uh, Lars? Let's let's ask you about that one. Uh, yeah, the story. You know, uh, it was a long road to come. You know, to to be the, uh, the supporting act for Toto. I, I think Herman or Robert has more information about the. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I, I can tell you a bit. Um, I, we, I talked to my very good friend uh, Mikael Engström. Yep, you know him. He's he's one of our correspondents, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said, "Like, guys, you really should open for Toto." <laughs> and we're, I was like, "Sure, make it happen." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and you tell Mikael that, and he he will, yeah. no doubt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's he's the best. Uh, actually, uh, we we really love it, that guy. Uh, and and he set up contact with the, the Swedish uh, promoter, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a meeting. Uh, but and the, he was like, "Yeah, sure, they can play, of mm-hmm. course." It was okay, sure. And uh, yeah, it was uh, actually it was quite a um, uh, a long road from there to to get everything mm-hmm. ready and, and in order. But eventually, uh, we worked uh, all the details were worked out. And uh, everyone was happy, and um, but but a fantastic uh, thing to do. I mean, mm-hmm. we will. I listened to Toto since since high school, f- and uh, listened to it a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be on the same stage, yeah, amazing. Did you Such guys? Good guys. Yeah. Did you guys have an opportunity to to meet the guys and hang out with yeah. them uh, during those two shows? Yes. Very cool. Very cool, guys. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like an amazing experience. Yeah. Hey, um, how, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, session work. And, you know, maybe you guys haven't played on 
you know, 2,700 sessions, you know, some of the other, you know, artists. <laughs> and I think that's an inside joke. Michaela wanted me to, to mention something about that. <laughs> but we're aware, you know, of, of Lars' contributions to the uh, Lionville albums, as well as, you know, Robert's work as, as part of the group uh, uh, WET. Um, and what other projects and, and sessions you guys, that you guys have been involved in over the last few years? Yeah. Uh, we can start with me, Lars. Uh, yeah, a lot of you know, I, I do a lot of uh, studio jobs. You know, where I mm-hmm. sing back vo- backing vocals, demo vocals, and um, you know, to a lot of different artists and uh, songwriters. Uh, but I have this other band called Unbound as well, as a mel- melodic uh, metal band, okay. which I sing in, and uh, a lot of session works for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. What about you? Uh, what about you, Robert? Yeah, well, uh, I've done some session works, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, they ask me to do a guest spot, like do a guitar solo. Sure. Uh, but but mostly, what I've done is songwriting for other artists. Okay. That that's usually that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, and written from you know, like like the total singers, Bobby Kimball, Freddie Fredrickson, Joseph Williams, uh, with his uh, Peter Fristet and his project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, guys like Jimmy Jameson, who sadly passed away a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Jolene Turner, who I think most people know from Rainbow. Uh, so so that's what I've been doing. So not that much session work. I mean, I get, like I said, a guitar solo here and there, which is always nice uh, when you get to do it. But mostly it's been writing for me. And that's, uh, I mean, that's where I feel most comfortable anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's been a, a lot of fun. But now, nowadays, uh, my focus is really on work of art. Yeah. So, so I don't do that much outside writing anymore. I mean, of course, WET, uh, WT. Uh, but other than that, it's, uh, it's a work of art all the way. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Herman, I, I understand you played on the last Fergie Fredrickson album. Is that right? That is correct. How did you get involved with Fergie? Uh, I was contacted by the producer, Alessandro Del Vecchio, uh, who is um, one of Frontier's, I'm I'm guessing, house producers. Uh, I think actually Robert set this up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he he asked me if I wanted to play on on the new Fergie Fredrickson album. And of course, I have to say yes. Isolation is my one of my top three albums ever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Ferdi was a, a huge inspiration. And also Jeff Prokaru, one of my hugest, like, he, he's a god. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Best drummer ever. Very cool. And so, and also when Alessandro talked to me, he said like, yeah, play like Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Great. Awesome. So huge shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. But uh, was, uh, I had a lot of fun, and Ferdi is an incredibly kind man, and, and I'm very proud to have done that album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were, uh, we were fortunate to get him on the show. Uh, it was like right after he had his first bout with cancer. Um, he was kind of in remission and feeling really good at the time. So, you know, just I wasn't, I guess, maybe a year later that uh, it sort of came back on him. And, and uh, it was just so sad to, to see that happen because he was a, such a great, you know, vocalist and a, just a, such a nice man just in general. And actually, Robert, Robert wrote a tune for, for that album as well. Oh, oh did you really? really? Oh, very cool. Yeah, I wrote, uh, wrote one song for that album, two songs for the, his previous uh, solo album uh, called... 
what was the name of it? The Savior and uh, Elena wrote for, oh, for yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, on this uh, last solo album, I wrote a song called uh, The Only One. Okay, all right. Very cool. correct, Herman? That's correct, yes, right? Yes, that is yes. correct. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Well, hey guys, let's pause for a moment, and uh, I do want to check out a track from your 2011 release titled In Progress, and this is a track called The Great Fall. From our guests today, Lars Sefsund, Robert Sell, and Herman Furin. Work of art on Inside Music Cast.
Well, let's move on to and talk about the the new album, Framework, and it's an amazing piece of work, and which actually at one point was initially chosen to be the the album title. But you know, um, how was the album title picked? Uh, was it going? Was it a song, or was it born from the art from the the cover art? Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, a piece of work, and Framework. Herman, you can, I think you can tell them the story. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, fr- from the beginning, uh, when when we formed the band in 1992, we were Young and stupid. <laughs> uh, and, uh, now we're just stupid. Yeah, <laughs> huge fans for world domination. Uh, you know, we had. We, I, I, I think I came up with a name, work of art, somewhere along the line, and we we decided that our first three albums were, were to be uh, artwork, uh, work in progress. And a uh, piece of work, and uh, we we almost had this done. Okay, we, we we missed out on work in progress and just named it in progress, but that's okay, I think. And uh, we had a piece of work, but some somewhere along the line, we we felt no, that's not the title we want it to be. And um, I, I don't know about framework how it came along really. Um, we we had. A lot of talk about we, we have to have something to relate to our, the band name work of art mm-hmm. uh, but it can't be too uh, a name that implies too much right uh, so we, we kind of think the frameworks fit fit the band quite nicely with the mm-hmm. kind of reflects on work of art in a way yeah yeah and if uh, I might might add there's Robert here I think uh, why we decided to, to to change the title was because uh, some of our American friends pointed out to us that piece of work uh, could be used as a kind of a negative term when you talk about somebody yep. Yep. negatively, and of course, uh, and we didn't we didn't know this, uh, yeah. so and we didn't want to have a name <laughs> name our album uh, yeah. like something that sounded very negatively. So so, uh, right. so what so framework was kind of a last minute call. It's something yeah. that we came up with thought would work in that tradition of name uh, having this name of the albums that uh, goes along with uh, the yeah. band name. Yeah, Great. yeah, because you know that Eddie, he's a piece of work. Yeah, and that Rick, he's <laughs> a piece of work too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so you did a good decision, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, if my, I might add, Herman here, uh, when when we had decided on framework, uh, our, our graphic designer Matt Matt Underland. Ah, we don't. Right, that's oh. what I was about to uh, mention. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, he, he he came up with this amazing cover, so it, and it, it made everything fall into place. Yeah, it's a really cool picture he took of New York and um, mm-hmm. made it look awesome. Yeah, it yeah. is a cool. It is a cool cover. And of course, we all know that Mats is part of the IMC team, photographer and. Correspondent, but he's a, he's pretty much a, he's a man of many talents. We're finding out. <laughs> yeah, with this this new album, we can hear you know progression and, and subtle music elements that is you know giving you guys a, a measured and, and what I believe is even compared to the first two albums, even more of a sophisticated sound. And was this something that you know has been planned you know you know in the creation of this album, or, or did it just come through more organically when you guys were you know sat down and started writing and working on it? I think it came through more organically. We didn't plan for it necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, but but uh, actually, 
when I wrote the songs, I was trying to write uh, songs that were a little bit more uh, straight ahead, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted them to be like uh, very instant that you would remember the, the, the choruses like right away after hearing the songs the first time. Uh, but uh, as usually as we go along, we add elements to our songs. And uh, before you know it, we, we end up with with the, the, what what we did this time. Mm-hmm. It's so you know, we never it, it, you never really know uh, until it's done. I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So l- let's talk about the the recording process a little bit uh, because uh, a lot of our listeners are very much in, in interested in that because the overall production is is really polished. It's the engineering is very very uh, nicely done. Uh, which which one of you? I, I, I'm I'm guessing that Herman. I think you're the you're the uh, the one that's very um, uh, engineering minded. Uh, is is that correct, or do you all contribute to that? Talk to us a little bit about that, Herman. Let's start with you. Uh, I actually think that um, I, I might be an okay engineer, but Lars is the one with the real talent. Okay. He has some great ears on him and incredible talent, I think. Uh, apart from being just an amazing singer, he he can produce the hell out of anything, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but um, no, we're all interested in gear and, and, and making good sounds. And we have a fairly... Fairly good knowledge of, of how to achieve what we want, uh, the, the sounds we want want to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lars, talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, when you and you're, uh, you know, at quite quite often, you know, you you don't want each song to really have the same exact same feel and approach to engineering. How so? How do you vary your what you end up with on each one? Uh, I don't know. Hard question. You know, I. It's, it's it's like kind of when the same as when I do the vocals. Mm-hmm. I I never plan anything. It just happens when I work with a piece, when I work with a song, uh, and it just comes naturally. And and talking about the sound, I think it's uh, uh, you know artwork was the first album I ever mixed. You know, and it was very early, and uh, it's uh, that it sounds better. It's just. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. That's uh, <laughs> that's because uh, we all, we all get better in what we do. I hope. Yeah. Hopefully, that's the intention. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing that drives me. I always want to get better at everything. You know, I always want to sing better, want to mix better, uh, produce better, everything. So, mm-hmm. so I think it's a natural progression uh, for each. Yeah. Um, Robert, are you guys all perfectionists? Uh, who, if if not all of you, which one is the perfectionist? And and talk to us a little bit about uh, the you know when when you're in and you're deciding let's do it this way. There's way there's A, B, or C way to do it. And how do you guys handle the the conflict of I like this, I like this, and in rationalizing everything? How do you guys settle that internally? Well, uh, to be honest, I think all of us are a bit of perfectionists. Mm-hmm. I would say if if anyone is a little bit more perfectionist, probably Lars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he's cracking the whip on, on me and Herman to make sure <laughs> that everything we do is is uh, is perfect. So, somebody's got to keep you two in line. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a hell of a job. I feel, yeah, I, right. I feel sorry for the guy. No, <laughs> no, no, but really, there's not a lot of arguing within the band. That's I mean, how, how, I mean, different ways of how we should approach different things. It's usually falls to place uh, rather... Uh, rather smooth, I would say. There are not a lot of, of arguing and, and conflicts and stuff. I, I think we all share the same kind of vision. 
to where I mean where we want to go with the, with the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, so it's usually that some somebody brings something to the table, and then one or the other guys is doing that makes it sound even better, and everybody goes like, oh yeah, now we're talking. And yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's more like that, I would say. But and also we've been friends for so very long. Mm-hmm. And it's not just not we're not just in a band together. We're friends for real. Yeah, and that's very important. I mean, when when we actually get to meet and play live, because that's about when we meet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually we have a great time. I'm hanging out with my two of my best friends and also okay. the other two guys, and, and it's amazing. It's great to to have a, a weekend off and be be rock star ish yeah uh, and, and get away from from the troubles of, of uh, everyday you know and work and everything and 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 uh, go away and, and have have a great time play music that you love and you can be proud of and meet the fans mm-hmm. That's great. It's, a, it's a great time well you know and just listening to framework um i remember when i first heard it i i listened from start to finish and each each time a, a new track came on, I thought I really this is I dig this song. This is my favorite one. Then the next track would come on, and I think, oh my god, this one's better. And then I'd <laughs> go to the next one, and it's like, oh, this this is yeah. great song too. There's so many great tracks on the new record, and and you know so many that it's difficult you know for <laughs> for me to pick a favorite. So I'll throw this. I, I want to throw out you know a few tracks that I really dig, and and if you don't mind, let's let's just briefly talk about them. And yeah. and one of them that I is is the song called Can't Let Go. Now, now, don't kill me if you if you don't think this is not accurate. But when I hear hear the song, I I get I got sort of an early '90s kind of a yes Trevor Rabin vibe from this one, and and it, that could be totally off. That may may not be what you guys were thinking or trying to project into the song. But tell us a little bit about this track and how it came together. And you know, I, what I love about this one are the chord progressions. Yeah, cool. Um, I th- think that song is actually one of the uh, one of the last songs I wrote for the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when actually when I wrote it, I thought it was uh, I thought it was one of the weaker, the more weaker tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was thinking that this might end up being the the, the bonus track for for Japan for the Japanese edition, mm-hmm. uh, b- because um, they have, for some reason uh, it, it was it was an okay song, but it didn't really stand out for me. But once once we got to the when we started to mixing it uh, and when I heard Lars vocals uh-huh. uh, it kind of took on a, a life of its own so mm-hmm. to speak it, it really I mean it, it really uh, it, it, the way I felt about the song really changed uh, and also I think I added the, the first version of the song uh, the, the bridge the bridge section mm-hmm. or the instrumental part uh, uh, was something that I added later on uh, and I think that the instrumental section really, really helped the song to to become become alive and be more special. Uh, so yeah, that's the story behind that song. Yeah. Well, speaking about in, in incredible, um, you know, solo work, your, your guitar work. Uh, another one that stands out to me, Rick, is it's called the Machine, and uh, this has <laughs> to be one of your favorites, Robert, because you know you just totally let loose on on your your guitar. Talk to us. Yeah. About that. Of course. Uh, again, one of the, one of the last songs that, that I wrote for the album, uh, because we felt like uh, we needed uh, we needed a song that that, uh, that rocked a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We wanted something more up tempo. We we felt like the, the album was lacking in tempo, so so I tried to write something that was uh, kind of up tempo and direct, and uh, had a little more guitars on it. Uh, and, and of course, uh, it was really it was fun for me to record. Of course, uh, having uh, a solo spot like that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's it's a great track, and I think 
that track was actually the first track that we that we finished mixing. So it kind of was the blueprint for the other songs. How how I mean how the whole album should sound. Okay, neat, very yeah. cool. Yeah. And another track is is Natalie, and uh, <laughs> this one kind of fools you because it begins with sort of a you know kind of a subtle piano intro, and then it just kind of out of nowhere abruptly picks up tempo and dives into you know like a driving rock ballad. Yeah, but that's fun actually because that the intro was uh, this uh, Natalie was written for uh, for the In Progress album, really. But hmm. uh, okay, but uh, the the the, uh, the chorus we, we were never quite happy with the chorus. It wasn't all that we wanted it to be, so we left it off In Progress. Uh, and uh, the intro that you're hearing that's actually the 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 original chorus. It's a version of the real original chorus. Uh, but then I changed the chorus uh, to something that I felt was a little bit better. Uh, but once uh, Lars should record vocals, we felt that it still wasn't as good as we wanted it to be. So, so me and Lars sat down and, uh, and rewrote the melody again. So, so it was a collab- collaboration between me and Lars. Okay. Uh, uh, and then it all fell to place. So uh, that, again, a really last minute thing. That was like one or two weeks before the album was finished the, mm. when we wrote that melody. Yeah. yeah. yeah right. but, it, but I think uh, in the end it became a great track. It's classic work of art, I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Song. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. that's kind of how we we work also because sometimes when we when I receive the first mix of a song, I I have never heard the melody. <laughs> Where did that come from? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, based on you know, um, Herman, you can add to this a little bit, but many of the tracks from Framework are are they're hard driving and and they tend to shift up and shift down quickly in the rhythms and that type of thing. Uh, and they're actually sometimes un- very unpredictable from a rhythm perspective. Uh, and I've got a follow-up to this here, but from a rhythm perspective, how um, how difficult or how natural is that for you to shift up and down, Herman? Uh, I think it's fairly natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of used how how Robert... Yeah. Write songs now uh, nowadays, and uh, we I mean we known each other for forever and played together for, like forever, and uh, and I, I think um, that's not a big problem for me. Yeah, you know, hey Lars, um, one of the track that that does this type of uh, changing is uh, "Shout Till You Wake Up," and it's a yeah. it's a great rock ballad, and and it's uh, and then it's not a ballad, and then. <laughs> you know, it sort of keeps you on the on, on the edge as a composition. How how do you uh, attack these vocals, especially on uh, on "Shout Till You Wake Up"? Ah, uh, how do I attack it? I don't know. I've I, as always, I just do. I just sing. <laughs> I never think. Actually, yeah. of course, you know, uh, I never know what uh, and, and the, the, the way I work. I when I start with a song, uh, I, I never get to know the song before I start to record it. So I don't have any relationship to, to mm-hmm. the song. Even if I had the, the demo for uh, four months from Roberts, I just listened, it, listened to it once and think, whoa, that's a, well, it's a maybe okay song. And then when I start to work with it, it's then I get all this fantastic relationship with the song. And I never think, I just do. Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to... No, very good. No, that's, yeah. that's fine. That's cool. Well, hey guys, Eddie and I are really excited to be able to play a track for everybody here today from your new album called Framework. And the one we've chosen is The Machine. And this is from our guest today, Lars Sefsund, Robert Sell, and Herman Furen, Work of Art, on Inside Music Cast.
while we're in the middle of this, I wanted to thank a couple of guys from Inside Music Cast. One, of course, is uh, Mikhail Engstrom, uh, and the other is Scott Gross. Those guys contributed a lot of questions for this today. And one of them that uh, Mikhail uh, had in here, and he he said, you know, you guys are considered, I believe this is Mikhail's, it might be Scott's, but it's one of theirs. It, he said, you're considered, a, you know, an AOR band, but there's also, you know, obvious signs of a kind of a West Coast appreciation in your music. So, for instance, he said the uh, intro of the song One Step Away from in progress, you know, bears signs of, of David Foster's flight of the snowbirds. And do you think that your music also uh, appeals more to the West Coast oriented audience? Yeah, for sure. I yeah. think uh, I think style wise, we are right in the middle of West Coast and AR. Mm-hmm. I think uh, for the hardcore AR fan, we might be a little bit too soft, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I find that at least the way uh, I find it is the West Coast audience has always been very open to us. Uh, uh, I mean, we consider we are considered an AR band, and of course, and, and so that's maybe our main audience, and they have been obviously very welcoming as well. But mm-hmm. the, the West Coast audience, we didn't uh, we didn't count on the same way, but they have been really they really have taken to to our music. So that's uh, yeah, yeah. So I think so I think that is a a great sign of that that we we can appeal to both West Coast fans and AR fans. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's exactly, uh, I mean, that's the kind, of, I'm the same. I like both, you know, I like AR music and I like West Coast music. Yeah. I think it, that's why we sound the way we sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, isn't it funny? We, we've talked to so many guests in the past and we've told them, you know, is, isn't uh, amazing, you know, that over there in your neck of the woods in Sweden and Norway and that how much they really love and they embrace AOR and West Coast music in a different way that the people do in, uh, in this in the states or anywhere else. It's just a, it's a special relationship that that your area really uh, has with this type of music, and uh, it's that's why so many people tour over there. I mean, it's it's, it's very neat, you know. Yeah, it it's kind of. I think we have a special relation here in, in Scandinavia to this kind of music. Mm-hmm. It's something about it that really resonates well with us. Uh, so when when it might have uh, uh, I mean died off or not become as popular as it used to be in America, it still has been popular uh, here here in Scandinavia. At least to some degree, there will always be some hardcore fans here that will, will always love and appreciate his music. And now we can see a new generation of of younger guys playing. Uh, do, I mean, doing this kind of music, which is uh, it's it's great. There's, there's a lot of things happening here, so it's uh, yes, I think it's really nice. Yeah. Well, it's with the new release of, of the new album, you know, what, what does the future hold for Work of Art when it comes down to performing live gigs or potentially touring, Robert? Well, um, I think uh, what, what we want, what I'm going to try to do now is just we want, want to, to try to play as many gigs as we possibly can. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do a proper tour or whatever. Uh, I mean, it would be great to, to get the chance uh, to, to open up for a big band like Toto again. Uh, I think uh, for a band like us, that's a really great way to perform in front of, of uh, the right audience for us. Yeah, I think yeah. people that would appreciate some, appreciate our music. But other than that, I think uh, we're just going to try to play as much as we possibly can. That's, uh, I mean, that's our plan right now. Is uh, is touring difficult for you guys? Being that you know, you I think I know some of you have families, and then of course, uh, you know, music. I don't believe music is is completely full time for for all of you. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, at least for me, I, I mean, I work as a teacher, so it's uh-huh. still music, but it's it's teaching. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, Herman also uh, has a day job and everything. Uh-huh. I think Lars is the only guy who's he, he's only doing music. Okay. Yeah. 
again, you can see who in the band who has the talent. <laughs> but but, but uh, so of course that that's, uh, that's uh, makes things a little bit more difficult. I mean, if we were like twenty or twenty five, things would have been different. I mean, we could we can jump on whatever tour, whatever mm-hmm. gig. Yeah. But uh, but it hasn't really been a problem. I think. Yeah. Uh, well, I yeah. know that I, I was told by Mikhail that one of uh, your upcoming gigs is, uh, I think you're coming over to the States and you're going to play in Chicago. Is that right? Uh, we're playing the Melodic Rock Fest 4 in uh, Chicago. Okay. I think it's October 3rd. Okay. Uh, Very cool. Well, Eddie and I, we're, we're not too far from Chicago. It's about a three-hour drive for us. You should come. So we'll probably have to head up there. We'd and, love and to check connect with out. you guys there. Oh, cool. So, um, you know, since we're in the States and we don't have, you know, we don't have the opportunities to experience, you know, your live performances, of course, maybe we'll get to catch in Chicago. Um, and, and, you know, you're, we haven't really heard your music on, you know, we don't hear it on traditional or satellite radio. Are, are the States uh, a target for you in, in terms of promoting your music or do you mainly focus on, on your region of the world? No, we, 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 we're just happy wherever there are people that yeah. like some music, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be fantastic if we had some more fans in the States, uh-huh. absolutely. But I think we never thought, thought about it this, in, in, you know, we never wanted to be the biggest band in the world. We just do this for fun. You know, yeah. we're all old friends, as Herman has said. And, mm-hmm. you know, suddenly we put out, put out a reg- record and, you know, people likes it and we got some fans. So, you know, it's fantastic. So yeah. we never had any kind of aim to 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 be big in that way actually yeah yeah well i know you know it's always good to try to expand the the listener base and i think yeah. uh you know i just know from you know if you read our facebook page and you follow people on inside music cast um you know what they're saying and especially you know like i said on on facebook and etc they i know that work of art is is uh is is on their is in their conscience because it seems like there's a lot of fans of yours that that follow what we do and it was so we really wanted to have you guys on the show and hopefully you know uh, this this uh, chat will will help spread the word a little more to those who listen to the show Absolutely, and may yeah. not know too much about your music. Yeah, it would be great. Yeah. So, but this has been a fantastic chat. I, I appreciate all your time, and uh, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, hey, you know, before we go though, is there anything like, say, Robert? Uh, is there anything you'd like to promote? Can you you want to tell tell us about where fans can find you, uh, find your music? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, if, if you want to want the latest news from from Work of Art, you should really uh, you should really go on our Facebook page mm-hmm. and check out what's happening. And uh, and from there you can find links to where you can buy the music. But I think I mean uh, in the states you can you can get our records from Amazon, mm-hmm. and uh, and the same thing in Europe actually through Amazon UK and then different a lot of different stores actually. But all the info is on our page. I know you guys are on iTunes as well because I, I. Oh saw, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. iTunes for sure, and that's probably where people buy records these days. But if you want the physical thing, <laughs> yeah, right, then you need to go to Amazon or something or stores like that. Well, great. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to uh, one more time thank uh, Mikhail Engstrom and Scott Gross for helping out with this. And, guys, thanks so much for joining us today on Inside Music Cast. Thank, thank you. you for, yeah, thank you. All right, take care. Take care. <laughs> we'll see you, boy. Special thanks to Work of Art for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents Kim Riley, Brian Pearson, Scott Gross, Max Zape, Mikhail Engstrom, Loretta Sossaman. Scott Sheriff, Don Brightup, and Mats Unila for their continued support and content development for Inside Music Cast. Inside Music Cast is powered by Cabello Associates and Earshot Audio Post. For information about becoming a sponsor and sharing your message with thousands of music fans around the world, 
please visit InsideMusicCast.com for contact information. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast. Nightfall.